open the show like that. I would rather draft kickers than tight ends. On this episode, we're going to talk about tight <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the great tight end position. I've got the hottest of hot takes about this position. Um, there's a certain guy in this position that I'm just very hardcore against. I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk about him. Um, my rankings, I do believe really kind of hone in on that as well, but there's one guy that I really love that I think is going to surprise a lot of people this year as well. As always, I am joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Tight end is a, is a tough nut to crack, especially since last year, I think they said it was 25 points separated tight end six from tight end 18. So yeah not a lot of difference in the soft middle yeah it's it's kind of ugly i mean let's be real it's it's really ugly it's always been that way it it'll continue to be that way i think there's the top echelon and i think if you don't get one of those guys i personally if i don't get kelsey or kittle or waller then i'm waiting and i I think pitch is going really high right now too which is which is fine, you know what I mean? You know, draft your guy, draft him wherever you want to. I really don't care. Um, I'm not going that high on certain guys, but um, especially tight end. I mean, obviously, tight end premium league is a little bit different. But uh, without further ado, we're gonna go to our one of our favorite segments. All of our segments are our favorite segments, guys. Just letting you know. <laughs> but this segment this week is gonna be the games of the week. We got the first full week of preseason ahead of us. Everybody understands. I don't really need to say much other than. I'm on the Mac Mac Jones bandwagon. I've been on that bandwagon back before it was cool. Uh, I just want to throw that out there as well. I have been on this bandwagon. If you watched last night, he looked good. The thing about it is, is what I hear on Twitter, oh, it's against the garbage cans. Well, you know what? You guys ranted and raved about Justin Fields in the second half throwing throwing against garbage cans. So if you do it against with Justin Fields and don't complain about garbage cans, do not complain about the garbage cans that Mac Jones is throwing against. So that's my only take of the entire thing. I am part of the Justin I like Justin Fields. I do. But Mac Jones gets way overblown um uh you know just bash for no reason. He just gets hatred for no reason and it's starting to bug me. I just want Mac Jones. I just want the pa- – nobody wants to see the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I'm a, I'm a Tom Brady guy, not a Patriot. You know what I mean? I was a Tom Brady guy. I've been a Tom Brady guy for a long time. But just just let Mac Jones win a Super Bowl now. That's all I really care about now. You know what I mean? Like take the Patriots, put them in the Super Bowl this year. I don't really care. Just to, just to shut people up. You know what I mean? But I digress. I'm, I'm off my – my Mac Jones is, is the man bandwagon. But um, – and one other thing on this topic. Sorry, I said I was it. But – the one big thing that Twitter and social media as a whole have really got to get better control over, and it took me a little bit to try to remember this as well, is separating real football versus fantasy football. Now, if you don't like Mac Jones in fantasy, that's fine. And, and it might be justifiably so because of how they might structure that offense. But Mac Jones could be a good on the field quarterback, but just an okay fantasy guy. Like it's it's separate, right? You know what I mean? You have to be able to separate the two. Like when I do my process, I rank my guys dependent on this is what I think the draft class, whenever I did my quarterbacks, this is what I'm my draft class, but my draft class versus my fantasy football is two totally different things, right? Because Mac Jones 
trying to remember was my number three quarterback in this draft, right? Football wise, but Mac Jones fantasy football wise, I think was my quarterback five or six because there's the rushing upside of some of these other guys and you warm up to other guys because of landing spots potentially as well. So when it came down to it, Mac Jones was my number three quarterback, but my number five or six quarterback in fantasy football, you've got to be able to separate the two. And I think that, that, that Twitter puts it all together and it's far from that. There's cause there's good football players, good wide receivers. There's good running backs. There's good tight ends. Like the, like the bucks have four good running backs. <laughs> None of them are going to probably be fantasy relevant. You know what I mean? It's okay to differentiate both of those gaps, both of the areas of what I'm talking about right now. Sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to go on a rant to start the show, yeah. but look, the, my big takeaway from last night is Joe Flacco's elite. Clearly. <laughs> uh, did you? So probably not a great sign either for Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, it's hurt, a great right? sign for him that Nick Mullins and Joe Flacco look the way they did because that pretty well solidifies his spot unless they trade for Watson. But they said some kind of a stomach infection. Yeah, uh, curious as to what that is. It's going to be a long season for the Eagles, I suspect. Um, Their defense is terrible. And, and I'll be curious if they do roll with Mac Jones. Not that he hasn't looked good, but Cam Newton quietly was he looked fine good too. too. Eight yeah, of yeah, nine hundred. Yeah. I think that I think Cam starts. I do. Yeah. I do think Cam starts the season. I just think that if Cam struggles a week or two, then they're going to be quick to pull that plug. Well, and I, I still suspect the Patriots are going to be kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. And as you get deeper in the season, if you're not really solidified as a lock into the playoffs, there's more of a chance. I think that's where we're potentially going to see Mac Jones or we're potentially going to see uh, Trey Lance is if those you know, 49ers and the Patriots are just kind of hanging around the middle of the pack and are far from locks for – making the playoffs they're going to try to put in the younger players and get them experience i don't i don't i could potentially see a couple of them running the same way that the dolphins did mm-hmm. and and even if they are winning you know what i mean because mm-hmm. jimmy g and trey lance are two polar opposite quarterbacks like not even remotely in the same ballpark i do think that people give jimmy g way too much uh, slander than he I think he deserves because he is a decent football quarterback and I do think that he's been hurt with not just injuries to himself but injuries to that team I don't really feel like they've ever been a hundred percent healthy when they do they win football games you know what I mean yeah. they do win football games but um they're two totally different quarterbacks I, I speaking of that you know I, I'm not to spoil one of your games this the the Trey Lance um, you know, versus yeah. Justin Herbert game that's not going to happen because Justin Herbert's not going to play. Um, yeah, we may. I was hoping being coming into the second week, but the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, every week really enjoy Sunday night football, kind of closing out Sundays and Monday night football. Uh, you know, the end of the long. You know, nobody's incredibly wild about Mondays. And here in the second full week of the preseason, we get both those back. Sunday night football will be on the NFL network. It's 49ers at the Chargers. Um, you know, been kind of curious to see what Brandon Staley and this new group's going to do with the Chargers. Want to get a look at uh, Trey Lance, Jimmy G, Trey Sermon. Uh, 
you know, just to everyone. So I thought that was going to be a good matchup. It's kind of nice for Sunday night. It's the only game. Most of the preseason games this week are actually tomorrow on Saturday. There is a ton of games from morning, uh, morning tonight. So if you want to catch, I think doing another four live games on NFL Network. Um, I think there's a live game on Fox tonight, too. I can't remember who it is. Uh, but then my other game I highlighted um, – Highlight might be the wrong word, but <laughs> Monday, Monday Night Football, we're getting the Jaguars and the Saints. A lot of questions about Jacksonville. Um, the fact that they're hedging about whether they think Gift Gardner Minshew should start uh, didn't feel like a great sign for presumptive rookie of the year, Trevor Lawrence. would like to see him. would like to see that running back split. Um, you know, apparently I've been told by fantasy Twitter that LaVisca Chenault is going to be wide receiver one this year. Um, and that there's never been a greater player in the history of time. I'd like to see maybe him catch a pass. I'm still on the, the shark bag bandwagon right now, but also uh, how can you be, how are you going to be wide receiver one when you're probably not even going to be wide receiver two on your team in fantasy? I'm sorry. I believe in Marvin Jones is a very formidable formidable wide receiver three on your fantasy rosters this year because this team's probably going to be playing from behind a lot and he's going to need a veteran uh, security blanket and that's going to be Chark and Jones it's not going to be LaVisca Chenault sorry guys I love LaVisca I liked him coming out of college but I still feel like Chenault and Etienne are going to eat into each other's workload playing a similar kind of um, but Perhaps bigger questions is the team Jacksonville is playing, which is the New Orleans Saints. Me and uh, Matt Bruning were talking about yesterday. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston were so unimpressive in the first game that they were the people were seriously talking about Ian Book having a shot at getting the starting job. And you're laughing for the same reason that I'm laughing. I mean, most people were like, "Oh, Ian Book, what a what a deep, deep." Uh, reclamation project that's going to be for Sean Payton and he was arguably the one that looked better we also don't know if they have a professional receiver on the Saints roster Michael Thomas is out Traquan Smith's been injured Deontay Harris looks like he's going to get a DUI suspension so that leaves Marquez Callaway they re-signed uh, Chris Hogan uh, trying to resurrect White Lightning there on the outside and Ty Montgomery has moved permanently from running back back to receiver. Apparently, that's why they signed Devonta Freeman to be their third running back, because Ty Montgomery has been shifted back to being a wide receiver. They, full stop, may have the worst wide receiver core in the NFL until they get Michael Thomas back. I mean, Detroit was not great. Houston, plenty of questions. Houston at least has Brandon Cooks. Detroit has Amon Ross St. Brown. They could have Tyrell Williams if he can ever get off the IR. At least they have TJ Hawkinson. The Saints. Adam that, Troutman, baby. Adam Troutman, baby. I'm on that bandwagon. That's band a lot wagon. of pressure to put on a, you know, a second-year second player year. from Dayton yeah. who only saw 16 targets as a rookie. It's going to be a oh, lot man. of pressure for that whole team. They've won the NFC South four years in a row. I did not think they were going to win the NFC South this year, but the way they're kind of scuffling and struggling, it may be Sean mm. Payton's greatest coaching challenge. I think they could end up being a team for me that I end up dropping out of my playoff predictions. Are they um, in your you playoff know, predictions? They they were earlier, but as the injuries have piled up and I've been re-looking at it and rethinking things, it wouldn't take much to drop from a 9 to 11 win range to a 7 to 9 win range. And even in the NFC, I don't think that's going to be enough. 
Yeah, but, that's what I'm going to I'm going to look at right now. Um, what they're what they're what they're okay. So they're over under is nine right now in Vegas. All right, this is me. This is a segment that I plan on doing during the middle of the season or during throughout the season, folks. Smash the under on this line. I don't. I do not see a, a scenario where the Saints win nine games this year. They don't. They don't have a quarterback. They don't. They have a tight end, and they have a guy that is. I don't know what Jameis Winston is, but you know, I'm not going to call him a tight end. But he's not a quarterback. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Yes, he was very, you know, relevant in the year of 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. But the 30 interceptions are key. And and in Tampa, he really didn't have any competition. He starts throwing interceptions. Taysom Hill's coming onto the football field. One thousand percent. I don't even – Ian Book is not a quarterback either. He's a – I don't know what he is. Well, I was almost wondering if they make T- Jameis Winston the nominal starter because they need Taysom Hill to play a receiver. Well, I mean, seriously, he was a decently productive tight end uh, yeah. at times with Drew oh, sure. And they've got, they've got some – I really think that he's going to – do some sort of dual quarterback thing with yeah. these guys, and I'm and it's sure. going to make neither one of them relevant. Which I don't, I'm not drafting either anyway. So I and I think it, that's I think. that's what everyone thinks. I think that's why everyone's quarterback rankings because Jameis Winston, we've seen him finish as quarterback three for fantasy. You don't have to be a good player to be a good fantasy producer. Blake Bortles Bortles rolled top ten almost every year that he was a starter, and he was never incredibly good. But I I'm with you if they pulled. Drew Brees off the field for Taysom Hill. They're really not going to have a problem pulling Jameis Winston off the field for Taysom Hill. Can we just get one play this year We where we have Hill, Book, and Winston on the field at the same time? Challenge <laughs> accepted. Sean Payton's sitting there. He's like, you know what? I may Wait a minute. You know what? I was listening to the happy hour. This is a good idea. And, All right, so- and on that one play, they do a reverse, and Kamara throws it down the field to Troutman. We're going to share with you guys our top 12 tight ends. Um, yes, there is 12 tight ends in football. Are they all draftable? Poof, that's debatable. Um, go ahead and kick us off with your 12 through 7, Mr. Fox. Yeah, so first I pulled it up um, just to look. So last year, Kelsey was by far and away number one, 312 points. The number three tight end, which was Tanyan, 176 points. And this is, these are PPR points. The number 20 tight end, Dallas Goddard, was 116 points. So there was only a 60-point total spread between tight end 3 and tight end 20. So basically what I'm saying is there are two or three elite options, and then the rest you're just kind of hoping uh, for some hit-and-miss weeks. For me, I have uh, Travis Kelsey at the top at number 1, and then Darren Waller is number 2 for me. That was the 1-2 finishers last year. I have George Kittle at three. Kittle is a guy who I think talent-wise could has the talent to be number one overall. Two questions for me have always been, can he stay on the field? Because he's a real battering ram uh, as, a, as a player, and he gives it his all, and that's what makes him fun to watch, but it also puts him at risk. And then I'm not entirely sold on the 49ers quarterback and passing game. And they actually have a few uh, more options now with Devo Samuel for however many games he can stay on the field and Brandon Ayuk. Um, So then beyond that, there's a couple other guys that I feel pretty decent about. Hawkinson in Detroit is my number four. 
I'm not a huge Jared Goff believer, but as I mentioned earlier, Detroit has no receivers. Then I have Mark Andrews. I still think he's going to be the top target for the Ravens. Then the rest of my top 12 is kind of guys that, you know, I have hopes for. I still have Dallas Goddard at six. Um, The longer we don't have Zach Ertz move, the more paranoid I get about that. And also I saw Joe Flacco yesterday. Uh, So I'm not feeling good about it, but I'm not pulling the plug yet. Then I have Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to have a good season, but Calvin Ridley is going to be the number one there. And I think there's going to be growing pains. Noah Fant, not sure he has a professional quarterback. Irv Smith, I like him to take a step up, but not sure about that passing game. Logan Thomas uh, had a great year last year. I think he's going to be solid, but there are plenty of other options in Washington as well. Then I have Jonu Smith, who I think finishes the best of the Patriots tight ends, but I think he and Hunter Henry will cannibalize each other a little bit. I have Henry at 13. Hunter Henry was a top 12 tight end last year. Johnny Smith was not. Mike Gusecki is my my 12 that I have in between them. And I don't feel great about that because I don't know how high volume Miami is going to be. And they have now 95 wide receivers. They really do. It's kind of crazy to me. Um, I look at this. Uh, I have Kittle one. I think Kittle's going to finish as the number one tight end this year. I really do. Obviously, everything I'm saying is contingent on his health. But Kelsey, Kelsey Kittle and Waller, easily one, two, and three. I really don't care how you rank them. If you had Waller one, I wouldn't even be mad at you. I do think Waller has more of a predicament where he's got a lot more weapons to compete with, which kind of is frustrating because he should be the vocal point of that offense. I don't offense. know. They should secretly be. have terrible wide receivers too. Well, I, no, Brian Edwards is good. I don't care. I'm going to beat that drum until I'm dead. But I do. they have a lot of receivers. They just don't have a number one receiver. That's their big problem. And Henry Ruggs is going to stink for a long time in fantasy like I said he would for the last year and a half um uh, after that Pitts is four I think that's like the universal slot for him for a lot of people not Matthew Fox because he's just difficult no, I'm just kidding um uh, number five Mark Andrews I I can't not put this guy in that spot you know what I mean I feel like yearly and in drafts that I've been in he's been just push down the radar it's like guys there's they're, they're just like the Raiders they have a bunch of receivers none of them are good you know what I mean like if you really think Sammy Watkins is coming to save the day you guys got real problems okay Sammy Watkins is not a good wide receiver all right or he's like he's a good receiver he's not a good fantasy receiver but with that being said I think big Bob Tanyan is being overlooked um big time uh I'm sorry my rankings I've gone all over the place here I skipped everybody I liked here um sorry so number four was Kyle Pitts. Number five is the one guy, and I'm just going to throw it out here. This is my this is my guy. This is the guy I was going to talk about later. I'm going to talk about Johnny Smith. I have him at number five. I love Smith. I think we're looking at double-digit touchdowns. That alone for me puts him in that top five spot. I think that he's going to lead the pack um, for the Patriots as far as touchdown goes. Um, I do think if he was there by himself, he would probably be my number two or three tight end but without him being they don't have any other weapons either they don't have any receivers you know what i mean so i really don't think that they have receivers so their receivers are going to be john smith and hunter henry i think that there's going to be enough uh to go around for john for him to produce in a level that i think he's going to finish the year easily in the tight end one scenario but i mean obviously to do is just finish in the top 12 you know what i mean there's not really yeah. that many but i see a top, I, I see easily a top eight performance out of him this year 
it would not surprise me to see him in the top five. That's why he's up there for me. That's where I had Mark Andrews at number six. I had number seven. I got Bob Tanyan, who I think is being slept on. Um, another team that has a receiver and the rest of them are is what it is. I think Rogers got a chip on his shoulder even more so than he did last year. I don't know how many more chips he's going to have before, but I think that he's fantasy relevant. You know, it's going to it's going to make Big Bob in there, and it's not going to take much. He's got some huge time. grooves in his shoulder right now. <laughs> the thing about it is, is you don't have to do much to finish in the top twelve as a tight end, right? You know what I mean. No. So it's 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 that's why I like Big Bob Hawkinson. I I struggled with him. I had him high. I had him low. I I I flip flopped him and Janu. Um, quite often and him actually him Janu and, and, and Bob that I, I went through those three guys and kind of, I was not sure where to land on any of those guys but uh, Janu I like I said I like a little bit more but Hawkinson I, I like golf I think golf's going to be serviceable I don't think he's gonna be a fantasy quarterback but I think he'll be serviceable for the Lions he's not going to turn the ball over a ton they're going to run the ball a lot probably but Hawkinson's is going to be the security blanket they don't have any receivers either um Irv Smith Jr., I don't know what to do with this guy. Either he has a good year this year or I'm just going to throw him at the dumpster because that's, – That's the one uh, in our top that we have in the exact same position. Same exact spot. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do with him. Noah Fant, I wish I can rank him higher. My biggest concern with Fant is they have a loaded receiving core in Denver. They really have some good weapons top to bottom. You know what I mean? Like outside of Judy and Sutton, they have Hamler. They have um, – I'm missing somebody. Tim Patrick. That guy, he's – he just steals stuff just to steal stuff. I think Tim Patrick is the fantasy, you know, he's a fantasy running back relevant of um, who is still in touch. Whoever steals touchdowns every year, that guy. Um, number 11, I've got Dallas Goddard. I, I'm done. I, I don't want to hear about him. I don't want to talk about the guy. I Unless Zach Ertz is gone, he's not finishing where he is being projected. Well, he might be a tight end one. Sure, I don't know. But listen to me, as long as Zach Ertz is there, I'm not drafting this guy in the top five of these tight ends. I can't do it, period. First off, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Did you see they gave up 36 points last night? 36. They scored zero, but, you know, Mr. Elite was scoring. Or are you supposed to score points? I I don't know. Maybe not. Do you know what I mean? But all, if they all those play, uh, Nick Mullins truthers have also gone back into their caves. Oh, Jesus, God. I mean, he couldn't even beat the trash cans. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. But the thing about it is, is I, I I can't I can't do this. I can't rank him high. If 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 Zach Ertz gets traded, I will move Goddard up my rankings. Period. Because they're going to throw the football. But if you notice, these two men were on the field last week with Hertz. Hertz looked at Hertz. You know what I mean? Hertz to Hertz. You know that's some, there's something there. But he did have uh, good chemistry with Goddard when he started last year. Um, mm-hmm. It, but wasn't Ertz hurt? It's so hard to tell. Ertz was hurt, though. I thought Ertz was hurt a little bit last year. Some, yeah. Yeah. But the thing about it is, like I said, I. but the thing about it, if Ertz is on the field, he's getting targets. Not may not get a lot of them, but any target he gets is one that's going away from Dallas Goddard, right? You know what I mean? Everyone that he's on the football field, I see that happening. And, of course, coming to number 12, Logan Thomas this is another guy. I think him and Big Bob are getting just slandered, and I'm not sure why – I like Fitz. I do agree with you. The reason he is 12 and not higher is because just like I feel like a lot of these teams, they have 95 yeah. wins. Oh, I, I, they do have a one. They have Terry McLaurin, who, you know. But I, I think Curtis Samuel gets underrated by a lot of people. That's part of why. Wasn't he I hurt, though? Curtis Samuel? Samuel's hurt. Yeah, Curtis Samuel's hurt. But it doesn't matter. Either way, if he's on the football field, I do think that he's going to play anyway. You know what I mean? So, so I will say that 
I have Tanyan at 14. What scares me about Robert Tanyan is he had a good season, but he was insanely historically efficient. He only got 56 oh, targets. Sure. He caught 52-11 for touchdowns. I would agree with you that I don't think the Packers have a great set of complimentary receivers, um, but it's Devontae Adams, then it's Aaron Jones, and then, you know, would I be surprised to see Tanyan lose out some of those touchdown opportunities to a guy like Randall Cobb? I would not. And no, I wouldn't be surprised either. If his touchdowns come back to more like five or six, that would probably be enough. I, he doesn't seem like they're pumping enough volume at the tight end position. He was making his on catching everything thrown at him, most of them for touchdowns. Hey. I like it because he's got the best. He's probably got what? He's probably, I mean, he obviously has the best quarterback of everybody in the top 12. Yes, he's still better than Patrick Mahomes. I don't care what you say, people. Um, all right. Well, I have already revealed my um, my underrated and overrated guy because my overrated guy is Dallas Goddard and my underrated guy is Johnu Smith. As you can see, their placement in my rankings. I have Johnu Smith five and I have Dallas Goddard at 11. Um, give me your two guys. I think. My underrated guy is probably the one that I feel like has some potential to go up there is Troutman for the Saints. He's another one that was insanely efficient. He caught 15 of his 16 targets, didn't have a small sample size. I currently have him at tight end 15, but I wouldn't be surprised given the dearth of options in New Orleans if they can put it together that he ends up bouncing up higher because Jared Cook last year caught a lot of touchdowns and that impediment is out of the way um they don't have a incredible receiving core and even if they want to run kamara till his legs fall off and throw every throw 150 targets at him they're still going to need some other people they're in a division two where you're going to have to put up points so i think he's somebody that could rise the one that I get your argument for Johnny Smith, but he's probably the one that I'm steering a little bit clear of. Well, I'm steering clear of you, Matthew Fox. I just, I, he has potential and one of those guys could break out. I have him and Hunter Henry a lot closer bunch together than you do. Cause I have a feeling that they do use both of them and that, Henry ends up being kind of the yardage guy. And I ended up popping Smith for points in the offseason. I had Hunter Henry higher, but I ended up popping Smith higher because I think he'll probably get a lot of red zone looks. But I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Henry ends up with more receptions and yardage. Um, and so unless he like clearly takes over, I'm not sure New England has a super high volume passing offense either. Hey, I don't. You know what? I'm not. I'm really not okay with this slender right now. But you know, well, it's your opinion. Tight end is such a. It really is. It's, it's really. Tight. It's really hard to say anyone's under or overrated because we talked about a sixty point swing was all that separated tight end three from tight end twenty. Yeah, it's pretty be. wild to me how it's just it's it's a crapshoot, and that's why I'm waiting. I've been waiting yeah. in all my drafts for tight ends. I. I I'm going to pick a guy and hopefully he scores me five points. You know what I mean? Like I'm not even trying to get a damn, you know, I know. I'm not even trying to get double digits. You know what Sadly I mean? Maybe give me five to eight weekly and I'm good to go. 
sadly in our best ball league there was a tight end run before I managed to get a tight end. So I'm I'm now riding with Sackerts, and I don't know if I'm hoping he gets traded to Buffalo or <laughs> stays in Philadelphia. I'll tell you what, that's what we're gonna. Oh, I'm on the clock. I didn't even realize I was on the clock while we're here. Um, what we're gonna do? I think this should be done by next week. Maybe we'll break it yeah. down on next week's show. Um, yeah, I'll draft in a second. I'm already. I'll, I'll get. I lost. My, I lose my train of thought. But um, for those of you listening at home, that's going to be it for the fantasy football portion of our podcast. Um, we next week. I have no clue what we're going to talk about. I just show up. Matthew Fox does all the grunt work. Probably got to talk about the NFC. Oh, the NFC. Oh, yeah. We're going to start doing our playoff predictions and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, I'm excited about this. Maybe that's next week. I'm actually thinking about some... how sad the Saints situation is. I will. Uh, I will definitely be back next week with some sports betting for you guys. After this week, I really feel comfortable diving into the bets because week three of the fantasy or week three of preseason will be much like week four of years past, where it's going to be a lot of guys trying to cling on to roster spots. We're not going to see a lot of big players. That is an open question because they were talking about they think it's going to stay like it has been week three in the past, and you're going to get starters for over a half. We this is our first year experiencing three preseason games. I thought they were going to shift kind of the you know where starters play a majority of it up to week two, but it doesn't seem like it's happening at this point. Well, I look at it this way if you're dumb enough to start your guys a week before the season starts, um, then you're stupid. And if I place any bets, I should be able to take my bets back because the coaches are stupid. So, but next week, I will have some good. Um, over unders for the NFC that I like. I might throw a couple of other, you know, offensive player of the years and other wages your way over the next couple weeks. I'm pretty excited to be able to do that for you guys. But this week, I'm going to sit down and kind of really hone in on the NFC, go through my grid that I do every year, do the wins and losses, how I feel like it's going to end up. Share that with you guys so that you can make fun of me at the end of the year. I'm very excited about that as well. But here on the Fantasy Football, Happy Hour Fantasy Football Podcast, we are all about transparency, hence why we have made that Excel spreadsheet so you can follow along every week throughout the year. Um, I'm pretty excited about that as well. And then you can make fun of some of, you know, John O. Smith not being in the top five because it's going to happen. But you can make fun of me in case it doesn't, but we all know it's going to. But with that being said, make sure to head on over to the Music City Drive. And we've been pumping out the team previews like crazy um, check those out for us right now. And as we transition into the movie corner, we're going to talk about one movie real quick off the bat. We talked about this on the most recent episode of the Music City Drive-In podcast. That was Free Guy. Um, quick thoughts on that, Mr. Fox. I thought it was really fun. You know, probably uh, going to be the last kind of fun summer blockbuster that we get because as we get ready to turn the corner, uh, once you hit Labor Day, you're kind of out of the summer movie season. Uh, not sure what to make of the Marvel movie we're getting on Labor Day weekend. But Free Guy uh, was, I, I thought it was a lot funnier and a lot more entertaining than I was expecting. Yeah, I liked it. Um, my biggest takeaway from the whole entire thing is we should never see Taki Watiti act ever again. Him being in the movie took me out of the movie, which completely kind of makes the rest of the movie fall flat for me. I loved it. There was The, the jokes hit more than they don't. The cameos are great. Um Outside of that, though, it's it's brutal. Um, ha, uh, there's a movie coming out today on VOD, uh, releasing in some theaters, I do believe, as well. Uh, it's called The uh, Habit, and you know, I I've got some thoughts. You know what I mean? But I'm gonna let you. You know, you know what? Do you, do you want me to kick it off, or do you you, you want to go first, or how do you want to do this? I'm just gonna say, 
I read the liner notes about what they were going for. Um, and good on them for trying to make a Quentin Tarantino movie. I've seen a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies. None of them sat like this uh, for me. This movie, um, I currently, you know, spoiler alert, I I will have uh, some more humorous lines when it releases a little bit later today, but it's the worst movie of the year so far for me. I, I dropped it to number one on my bottom five list. Nothing about it works The for me. The performances were odd. The stories were odd. Um, it seemed like they were trying to make a profound religious statement that was deeply unsettling to me. Um, yeah, there was a lot of what am I watching moments for me. And it's only 81 minutes, and I probably had 79 minutes of why am I watching this moments. You know, speaking of habit, I have an interview with the writer and star of the film, Libby Mintz. Who seemed like a delightful she, girl. She's a delightful conversation. We had a great chat about the film. Um, if you want to check that out, you can go over to the NashvilleNoise.com to check out that interview. Recommendations for the weekend. Oh, I um, see. You're just bailing on. <laughs> Ricky is recommending Habit. Habit's going to be in his top ten. I take it from this complete silence. No, it is Speak really hard when you meet when you meet people. People pour so much of themselves, and I, I respect. Yeah, it's, the it's, effort. Not it's, every movie lands for me. every person. No, it doesn't. It's it's not a good movie. And and I, I enjoyed the conversation that I did have with her. And the reason they created it was because they weren't getting the opportunities that they were hoping for, which I totally get and understand. So in and, some ways, uh, it's like the crime version of Good Will Hunting. Yeah, something like that. With that being said, um, I have seen two of the movies that are dropping this week. I did two. Two, Yes. So there's a laundry list of movies that are out this week outside You've of seen three that uh, open this week. Have I seen three? Annette, Sweet Girl, and Proto. Oh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I keep on forgetting about Annette. Um, but so Sweet Girl's dropping on Netflix. Um, I watched that last night. One of the worst movies of the year. Um, it's terrible. It is. It's almost as bad as a movie you mentioned. It really is. It's terrible. I'm just mad that all these movies now are coming to try to force me to drop Cherry out of my bottom five. How dare you? <laughs> Cherry's um, terrible, too. Um, it's not been protege, a good year for some. The, the Protégé come out, came out, comes out today in theaters. Um, if you're looking for a movie to check out in theaters, I highly recommend this one. I went into this one with very, very low expectations. The first 15 minutes are rather rough, but the moment Michael Keaton comes into the scene... And for the rest of the movie, it is really good. Like, it's it's pretty – look, I'm not going to say it's one of the best movies of the year. It's not. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is it's a very enjoyable film. If you're looking for something to watch this weekend in theaters, it's a little bit different. You can watch Reminiscence or whatever at the house on HBO Max if you want to. I've heard it's good. I've heard Night House is good, which I really want to see that this weekend. I'm going to probably go see that in theaters this weekend. But with that being said, I really like the protege. Michael Keaton, I think, has gotten better with age with his acting. I really do. Like, he's just phenomenal. Like, even in Trial Chicago 7, he was in it for, what, 30 seconds last year? Phenomenal. You know what I mean? Phenomenal. So, um, yeah, Kenzie thought he should uh, get the 
best <laughs> supporting actor, and he was that good in that movie. He, he was, and is that that's the that's the movies coming out this weekend? Don't go see Don't Breathe Two. Don't waste your money. Uh, there's but, also Paw awesome. Patrol you can watch at home on Paramount oh, TV Plus if you uh, have small children or. I've seen a Paw Patrol frame listen, of mind. Listen, listen, I've heard the movie's good. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the reviews out in the world, but there's rumors going around that Paw Patrol is a good movie. I don't know if they're true or not because I have not seen it, nor will I not see it, even though Matthew Fox fought for that to be this week's. Um, Music City Drive-In consensus rankings pick, which I still haven't even picked a movie because honestly, I don't, I don't really know. There's one movie that stands out. This might be a week where we just skip it or, uh, or something. I have an idea for the podcast this weekend. I haven't really revealed it to anybody yet, but I'm trying to figure that out in my head. I've just got a lot going on in my on my plate right now. So I'm just going to throw out Ted Ted Lasso. Good episode this week. If you enjoy romantic comedies, uh, romantic comedies are the theme. I challenge you, uh, as I did for my recap, to try to figure out all the homages that they're making to different romantic comedy films, the way they do lines. Um, Ted Lasso continues to be a creative delight. Episode five dropped today. And, you know, if you're also on Apple, I know Ricky and I have slightly different opinion. I dearly love Schmigadoon. Uh, which is six episodes. They're all available now. They're a half hour each. It's like a about a three-hour commitment. I thought it was delightful. Uh, another one, Truth Be Told Season 2 just dropped, and I, I wrote a review on it over at the Music City Drive-In. Uh, I saw somebody commented on Reddit. They said the, the first episode was better than the entire first season, and I wouldn't disagree with them. I do think they do a great job of setting up this season in the first episode. I can't wait to watch two, three, four, and five. I'm also looking forward to checking out uh, nine perfect strangers, whatever it is. Yeah. You can wait. Yeah, I've heard it's okay, but I heard it's not that great. But also if you're looking for the best show to binge watch, all episodes are live on HBO max, baby. Go watch white Lotus. It is one of the best TV shows. The ending was the I wish the ending was a little bit better, but I don't know what it was about that show, but I was hooked weekly. And I know it's it's different, it's unique, and the, the storytelling's weird. And I had a lot of people tell me, dude, you're an idiot. The show sucks. And I'm just like, I was engulfed in the story. I'm ready for season two. I want this to turn into the knives out of the TV world, where I get one season a year. Different cast, different location, different story, but same idea. And I, I really, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's all I can say about that. Is that everything? There's a lot coming out this weekend. Godly. Yeah, but, you know, if you're only going to watch one thing, I think Ricky would tell you it's got to be Habit. 100%. 100% check out. If you watch Habit this weekend, do us a favor and let us know your thoughts of the film um, below. If you like it, you know, good for them. I'm, I'm excited for Libby Mintz. You know, their project, it's a passion project. Good for them. I hope one day that I make a passion project as amazing as this one. Make, folks, hey, make sure to head on over. Robert, Roger Ebert's one movie that he wrote was Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I've seen it. I know that. he what. became a critic. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I did my top 25, and this is a random tidbit. I did my top 25 movies of the 80s. I wrote it for Hit and Remote. It's over there on hitandremote.com. Funny enough, when I did that, 
I realized, I found out my number one movie was Color of Money. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I don't know what it is about it. Paul Newman's great. Uh, Tom Cruise is great. Scorsese directed it. It's the only film Siskel and Robert uh, uh, ever gave of Scorsese a thumbs down. Yeah. Is, they they both didn't like the film. It was, like, uh, it was when I was doing my research. It was crazy when I found that out. I was like, it was the only film of Scorsese's they both just gave it the big old. My favorite Sorry. coffee table book for a long time was I got the Your Movie Sucks, which was a collection of his zero and one star reviews from Roger Ebert. There's movies in there that I own that I love. I mean, nothing is more subjective than film. So when we say we love things, we say we hate things. You know, people feel different, even among our, I wish you could see sometimes the back and forth we have just with the eight to 10 of us who are watching and ranking things uh, for the Music City Drive-In. It's nothing's more subjective. Yeah, exactly. You know, Matthew Fox has Coda's his number one film of the year, and I think that he's completely wrong. So it's cool. I can't even remember what yours was. <laughs> my number one movie of the year? What is my number one movie of the year right now? It's Hang probably, on. It's probably something I haven't seen yet. Uh, I think it might be. On the count or, of three, no, it's nine one. lives. Huh? Or it's nine days, isn't it? Nine lives. Sorry. It's yeah, yeah, so my yeah, my top five. Well, Coda's Coda's in my top ten still. But my yeah. not my top ten, nine days on the count of three and mass. Those three are uh, on the count of three and nine days flip flop every day. Um, what my my favorite movie of the year is. But the, those top three films are the top echelon of films that have come out this year. Quiet Place, Sound of Violence, um, Cruella, Coda. Everybody's talking about Jamie, which comes out in few weeks zola and shiva baby are my top 10 right now so and i fully expect at the end of the year only three or three of those films will be in my top 10 at the end of the year and it's the top three that are sitting there right now i don't believe that those they won't be my top three they might not be my top three but they will probably still be in the top 10 on the count of three was personal to me so i released my top uh 10 of the year so far right on july 1st and yeah. since since that point in time, I'm pretty sure there's only four of those movies that are still in there. Yeah, for me, I think the big difference for me was is I obviously saw um, I saw Coda, Mass, and On the Count of Three at Sundance. So since January, those three movies have been in my top ten and haven't moved. Coda will probably for me, Coda is an easy dropout uh, out of my top ten. I just I do think it's it's. A <laughs> I do think it's a good film. I just don't foresee it staying in that top in the top range for me. I just I don't. I love like I said, good film. I just don't think that it's going to be in my top at the end of the year. Mass um, comes out in early October, so for those October eighth, who are, 8th, who are so. like me waiting to see it. I know you and Jacob both uh, both loved it, and Jacob likes it a lot more than I do. It's but a rare situation where you both have something like right up at the top. Yeah. And I think the big thing for me is, is how it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how it's received by regular old general public, because it's not, it's not an easy watch at all. Like not even remotely close to an easy watch. It's a very hard watch and people are going to take it certain ways and it's going to be crazy. And I can't wait for it because I think it might be one of the films that has the most discourse of any film that maybe isn't West Side Story this year. And I think West Side Story's discourse is going to have to do with a lot of other reasons why. But So, very hard watch. Much like watching Ian Book try to win the job in the New Orleans Saints. See, we brought it full circle for you. 
Just like claiming that Sam Ellinger is a quarterback too. So with that being said, make sure to head on over to Twitter and follow Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734. Give myself a follow at Ricky Blair underscore. Give the show a follow, FF Happy Hour Pod. I think that's right. Um, make sure to head on over to the Music City Drive and check out all of our latest content um, that we've got pumping out there daily, whether it's movies, music, or uh, football. We also have a lot of shows on the Drive-In Podcast Network you can check out from 50 Years of Music to the Film Optics Podcast. To, there's a lot of other shows that I'm forgetting right now because every time I do this each and every week, I blank on it. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.